and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Greetings across America to all of you. Glad you're with me. You can follow along on social media at EW Erickson, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. Uh, the phone number 877-973-7425 if you'd like to be on the program. I would like to thank all of the people in Gainesville, Georgia, for the wonderful welcome at Long Street Cafe this morning. I was on Fox and Friends with Brian Kilmeade at about 6.40 this morning. Y'all, if, if I sound a little off my game today, I had some friends coming over last night. Fox and Friends asked, could, could you come up and be on with Kilmeade? He's uh, going to be in Gainesville at Long Street Cafe broadcasting live. We'd like to talk to you about the Georgia races. It's like, sure, but I, these friends of mine have been wanting to come over for about a month. I wasn't going to cancel on them. So they left around 9.30 last night. I got on the road by 10. Uh, my assistant had gotten me a hotel room. Uh, well, when I got close, I realized there was a hotel closer, and so I tried to call to see if they might have had a cancellation or something, and they didn't. My car GPS rerouted me to that other hotel, and I didn't realize it. So I showed up at the hotel 12.15 in the morning, and they said, we're very sorry, we, you don't have a reservation here. Give me your confirmation number. I gave her the confirmation number. She says, actually, your hotel is in Dawsonville, Georgia, not Gainesville, Georgia. It's about 30 minutes from here. So I got there about 12.45 this morning, was in bed right after 1, was up at 5, uh, was on set at 6.15, was in my car by 7 o'clock. Actually, my buddy Morgan House came by um, in Gainesville uh, to say hi to me before I got in my car. I hadn't actually seen him in person, uh, and we wanted to, wanted to say hi, so he came over. So I stood in the parking lot and visited with Morgan for a little bit. Uh, and then it, it was such a quick visit. Like I've got a great friend of mine in Gainesville, Martha Zoller. She's a radio show host. And I, I didn't even tell her I was going to be there. And she's texting me. She's like, why didn't you tell me you're going to be here? It's like, cause I got to be in my car by 7am to get home. And I got home and I, I had a, a meeting and thankfully I, I was able to rearrange some stuff. So I go back to sleep for an hour cause I was exhausted, but there were so many people uh, taking selfies and stuff with me that, that kill me and says, Erickson, they're here for me, not you. <laughs> it was fine. He had a good laugh. It was a good time. I want to talk about that though. Y'all don't care about the, 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 the introductory parameters here. I realize, but I actually want to talk about this. Uh, and you should know Herschel Walker was on Fox this morning. Kill me. And I talked a lot about that race. Uh, for those of you in the Metro Atlanta area, uh, if you know where Tommy's barbershop is in Buckhead on West Paces Ferry, Herschel Walker is going to be there at six o'clock tonight. If you want to see. Him. So let me set the stage for you here. Yesterday, Stacey Abrams pulled a Hillary Clinton. If you remember back in 2016, Hillary Clinton tweeted out a happy birthday to the future president. It was a picture of her as a child. It was very creepy third person vibe. Clearly it was a staffer, but using Hillary Clinton's campaign, Stacey Abrams did the same thing yesterday. Uh, essentially happy birthday to the future governor of Georgia with a, a cute little picture of her as a kid. And it's the same vibe it's going to get the same result. There's new polling out from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in Georgia. Y'all, Herschel Walker can win this race and probably will. 
And I want to spend this hour doing raw politics with you as opposed to the specific news of the day. I think it's really important we do a reset. And I want to start where I am in Georgia because all eyes are on Georgia, so much so that even Fox and Friends came down to cover the politics of the state. I'm going to begin with the governor of Georgia and pivot to the Senate seat with Herschel Walker and why he's probably going to win. Let's start with governor. Uh, As I said on Fox and Friends this morning, Brian Kemp has raised more than 85% of his money from in the state of Georgia. Every dollar is tied to a voter in Georgia. Stacey Abrams has only raised 14% of her money from the state of Georgia. D.C., New York, and California, really California and New York combined, she's raised more money there than she has in Georgia. Now, the Democrats will say, wait, wait, though. She's raised so much more money than Brian Kemp. That's why Georgia looks less, except there's a problem. Stacey Abrams has fewer donors in Georgia than Brian Kemp. A donor by another name is voter. And Brian Kemp has more than Stacey Abrams does in Georgia. Uh, She's gotten far less donors. Her donor base is smaller. She gets a lot of national money, not as much in Georgia. Now, typically, the rule is the person with the most money can win. The problem here is that she has virtually 100% name ID, as does Brian Kemp. And Brian Kemp's favorable rating has gone up with every constituency group in the state. Stacey Abrams' unfavorability has gone up with every constituency group in the state. That's a key difference there, too. Additionally, Stacey Abrams is too far left. Now, Brian Kemp, two weeks ago on this program, leaked it to this program before it went anywhere else nationwide. I got to see their internal polling. And on the internal polling, Brian Kemp is winning 25% of black men under 35, 60% of Hispanic voters, over 50% of Asian American voters, doing even better the older you get in the Asian American community. Those three groups are very notable because the black, Hispanic, and Asian American communities are the three groups that were most disproportionately impacted when Stacey Abrams called for Major League uh, Baseball to boycott Georgia with the All-Star Game. That area of Cobb County, Georgia, for those of you not in Georgia, uh, the northwest corner of Atlanta on 285, the big loop around Atlanta, that's Cobb County, and there sits at the intersection of I-75 and I-285, the TP. The TP is the Brave Stadium. And connected to the TP is an area of land called the Battery, around the TP. The Battery has a bunch of hotels, restaurants, and small businesses. And then uh, from the TP cascading out past the battery, there are other shops and businesses and hotels. They are disproportionately owned by non-white business owners. They are run by non-white employees. They were cost $10 million. The economic impact in that immediate area to non-white businesses of Major League Baseball pulling out of Atlanta at Stacey Abrams' urging was $10 million. It is not a coincidence that Brian Kemp is winning a quarter of young black men and a majority of Asian American and Hispanic American voters because those people got screwed by Stacey Abrams. And not only did Stacey Abrams know the damage she caused, it is notable that USA Today, the newspaper in which she published her op-ed demanding a boycott, allowed Stacey Abrams to go in and retroactively 
add language saying she was not calling for a boycott after she very clearly said that Major League Baseball needed to take a stand on this issue. That is a damning indictment on USA Today and its biases that it allowed Stacey Abrams to go in and edit her op-ed after the fact. And now all the fact checkers are like, Stacey Abrams never called for a boycott. Look at the op-ed. Actually, in the original version she did, and even USA Today had to subsequently acknowledge that, yes, yes, Virginia, they did allow her to change her op-ed. Stacey Abrams screwed herself in this race, frankly. She shot herself in the foot with young black men who were out of work. She shot herself in the foot with Hispanic and Asian Americans who lost tens of millions of dollars in business. She did this to herself. She is not the great candidate that all the Democrats claim she was. Brian Kemp, in his internal polling, was leading her by five points. Brian Kemp has never leaked his internal polling. You need to know that. This, this, so when he leaked them, clearly he was going for a story. Clearly he was putting himself in the best possible light. What's notable is that in Brian Kemp's polling, he's doing very, very well, and he's beating her by five points. And actually, what's even more notable is that the public polling for Brian Kemp has been even better than his own. In most of the public polling, he's winning by seven or eight points. Now, this morning, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution released a big poll on the politics in Georgia, and it shares Brian Kemp's assessment that he's winning by five points. There are a couple of notable things that you need to know about this nationwide so that you understand how the national media is covering Georgia. What the national media does not know or care to know is that in Georgia during the summer and fall, there is a polling bias in favor of the Democrats. If you go back... Uh, all the way to 2002, when Sonny Perdue was running against George Barnes, the, the Roy Barnes, I'm sorry, not George, Roy Barnes, the incumbent governor, all of the polling had Roy Barnes winning and Sonny Perdue actually won. Fast forward to 2006, Sonny Perdue is running against uh, the uh, uh, running against Mark Taylor, the incumbent lieutenant governor, who's a Democrat. The polling has them neck and neck through the summer and fall. Perdue wins again. Fast forward to 2010, David Perdue this time is, or Nathan Deal is this time running, and he is neck and neck or behind the Democrat. Fast forward to 2014, the incumbent Nathan Deal is running against Jason Carter. David Perdue is running in an open seat for the United States Senate against Michelle Nunn, the daughter of the famous U.S. Senator Sam Nunn. And through the summer and fall, Michelle Nunn and Jason Carter are tied or leading the Republicans. The Republicans both win. Fast forward to 2018, during the summer and fall, Stacey Abrams was tied or ahead of Brian Kemp in almost every poll. A couple of Republican-leaning polls had Kemp ahead. Most public polling had Kemp behind, and he won. Now, everyone says, oh, well, Abrams came close. She did not come close. What Abrams came close to was losing in a runoff. She did not come close to winning the Georgia's gov Georgia governor's race. She came close to losing in a runoff. She didn't make the runoff. Brian Kemp got above 50%. This time is the first time, and this, for historic perspective, you need to understand this. For historic perspective, this is the first time a Republican statewide candidate for governor in every poll is ahead of his Democratic opponent. Typically, the Republicans run about three points behind 
until uh, October. And then they win. So it's notable that Herschel Walker in the AJC poll is three points behind Raphael Warnock. That means Herschel Walker is probably going to win because he's at the historic levels for the GOP. Herschel Walker has turned up his campaign, put in some new people, gotten rid of some old people, brought in some reinforcements. He's just starting the ad campaign. Why does polling go against the GOP in the summer and fall in Georgia? Well, you got vacations, you got kids going back to school, you've got holidays, you got Republicans don't talk to pollsters until right before the election. There have been historic biases, and it's always vacations. It is it is churches on Wednesday and Sunday. It is kids going back to school. It is holidays. It is Republicans don't answer the phone as much. They're not as inclined to talk to pollsters. If Herschel Walker is within five points, he's probably going to win, and he's within three points. He's probably going to win. In 1980 in Georgia, Jimmy Carter had been Georgia's beloved governor. They loved him. Helped sweep him into office in 1976 against Gerald Ford. In 1980, he's on the ballot. And the economy is terrible. And Georgia voters send Mac Mattingly to the United States Senate. No one had ever heard of Mattingly. Mattingly wasn't ahead in a single poll. Mattingly was what was known as an accidental senator. Georgia threw out Herman Talmadge, the famous Democrat, and replaced him with the accidental Republican senator who was six years later thrown out of office. There were six Republicans in 1980 who accidentally got elected to Congress. No one saw it coming. They were ahead in not a single poll, and they all went to Washington because Jimmy Carter was so unpopular and the economy was so bad, the Republicans accidentally got elected. And these six Republicans all served just one term before they were turned out of office. But the voters were furious including the Georgia voters who were furious at their own Jimmy Carter, who four years before they had sent to Washington after giving him the governor's mansion. Joe Biden is more unpopular in Georgia today, and Georgia's economy is suffering more under Joe Biden than it was under Jimmy Carter. Herschel Walker is going to pull this race out and win, and Brian Kemp is already beating Stacey Abrams. The Democrats, their path to holding the Senate is growing narrower and narrower. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. If you want to get the daily show notes, the links to all the stuff we put in the show, and I got to give Philip a lot of credit for putting this together today without much help from me because I was on the road and then had to take a nap before I could do the show, given the schedule. Um, but he got everything in that I'm talking about, so good for him uh, working on the fly there. You can text the word DATA to 33777. Uh, you can subscribe, paid subscribers. It's only 7 bucks. You get the show notes. Um, you get all the links to all the stuff I talk about in the show. Text DATA to 33777. Now... Again, I said I'm going to spend a lot of time on the state of play of the election this hour. You do need to know there's an interesting data point here. Uh, in 2020, young people loved Joe Biden. 60% of 18 to 29-year-old voters cast a ballot for Joe Biden in 2020. Now... 94% of them say he should not run again. 
The economy is the biggest issue here. The economy is a disaster and it's dragging them down, all the Democrats. Joe Biden's disapproval among young voters is at 53%, with 94% of them saying he doesn't need to run again, or 96% now uh, in some polling saying he doesn't need to run again. Uh, Young voters are disillusioned by the economy, and one of the reasons is because employers, in an age when states force them to pay $15 an hour for a worker, given the choice between a young person with no experience and a retiree with a lot of experience, they're going with the retirees. Young people have advocated for $15 an hour minimum wages around the country. A lot of Democratic administrations and states have complied, and the young people in so doing have priced themselves out of the market. The reason was because the minimum wage used to be a starting salary to give kids experience in high school and college. Uh, Thanks to Barack Obama and then to Joe Biden, the minimum wage is now a starting salary for a lot of people. Again, uh, overwhelmingly, something like 95 to 99% of people who made minimum wage were people who were young high school students or in college. They wanted some work experience. You paid them a little bit of money. You gave them experience, and then they moved on. When you're paying $15 an hour, the companies that are hiring the minimum wage workers, they're going to hire the people with experience at $15 an hour, so they've shut the young people out of jobs. Now the economy is in the tank and Joe Biden is getting the blame. These young people had a pretty good time of it under Donald Trump. You know, uh, young voters have shifted definitely to the left over time and I have a sneaking suspicion the economic turmoil of this time is gonna shift them back to the right. You get a Republican in the White House in 2024 with a Republican Congress and they fix the economy, they're gonna get credit from the young people and they become Republicans. The Republicans have an opportunity in two years, if they can get the economy back on its feet, to take credit for it with young people and shape a whole new generation and move them to the right. And frankly, a lot of these young people are getting enough of the wokes. They're tired of it. Uh, they, they, they are, they're exhausted by the nonsense of the wokes, a very small percentage of people, and they're moving to the right. Uh, culturally, some of them still cling to things like abortion rights, and even that, you're starting to see noticeable shifts to more regulation in the polling, and a lot of it is a backlash towards against the Democrats. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. Phone lines are open, 877-973-7425. I want to actually do a walkthrough of the state of play for the Senate. Haven't done this in a while. Under the Constitution, a third of the Senate is elected every two years. They are divided into classes. So one year it is 33, another year it's 33, another year it's 34. And this year, there are a number of races where the GOP does not have strong recruits, even though they should. It's a year the GOP should be able to solidly take back the Senate. They are going to take back the House of Representatives more likely than not. Now, I say more likely than not just to, I mean, the wild card scenario towards the end, but the GOP is going to take back the House. They only need like five, seven seats. Redistricting alone gives them the House of Representatives, and the Democrats know it. 
The Senate's a dicier proposition because of some of their nomination issues. In Georgia, Herschel Walker is the nominee. As I have said, Herschel Walker can and probably will win. He's not the strongest candidate. He has some issues, but he's working to overcome those. I think his staff, they uh, produced a problem by pulling the Joe Biden strategy of keeping Herschel Walker in the basement during the primary. They know that now they're getting him out spending time with, uh, like Brian Kilmeade, spent a lot of time with him, uh, did an interview with him this morning up in Gainesville. He's going to be, Herschel Walker is, at Tommy's Barbershop in Atlanta today, a institution in Atlanta to meet voters. They're getting him out. They're getting him to be seen. Uh, he'll actually be on with me in a couple of weeks uh, after avoiding me during the primary. Walker is probably going to win. If Walker wins and the GOP holds everything else, the GOP takes the Senate. There are problems, though. The Republicans have two seats, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, that they have to hold. Wisconsin is Ron Johnson's seat. He's the incumbent. He's not a great candidate, um, but he's probably going to win. He's got enough money. The Democrats seem to be fighting over should they nominate a leftist or a far leftist to be the nominee in Wisconsin. And uh, that's that's going to help Ron Johnson. So he can probably hold that seat. In Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, is the Republican candidate. Uh, they had a better candidate there, but Donald Trump threw his weight in behind Mehmet Oz. And, well, Oz isn't a fantastic candidate. He's not really from Pennsylvania. and not spent a lot of time there. But he may be able to pull it off. I'm actually more worried about Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania than I am Herschel Walker in Georgia. But that's offset with Nevada. The National Press Corps is convinced for reasons I can't quite understand that Adam Laxalt is not a good candidate in Nevada. Adam Laxalt is the best candidate running for the Senate this year of the GOP recruits. Adam Laxalt is the best. He was the attorney general in the state of Nevada. He has a family legacy. Uh, the Laxalt family is very famous. Adam Laxalt has an intriguing story in that his mother um, was, got pregnant by one of his grandfather's friends in the Senate. Laxalt was, frankly, a love child. Uh, I think Pete Domenici, the Democrat from Arizona, um, had a relationship with his mom while her father was in the U.S. Senate, Paul Laxalt. And Adam was the product of that relationship. And the Laxalt family claimed him and raised him, and he got into politics. He is a wicked smart guy. He was Ron DeSantis's roommate for a while. He's wicked smart, super conservative, wonderful human being, by the way. Um, he is one of the nicest people in politics. He is a very, very nice person. I like him tremendously. I know him. And he is a fantastic candidate. He ran uh, for governor, and the headwinds were against the GOP just too strong, and he lost in 2018. And he's come back now, and I think he's going to win. And that, if we lose Pennsylvania, we're offset in Nevada. In Missouri, I have been very worried about Missouri. Missouri is a Republican hold. Roy Blunt, the incumbent Republican senator, is not running again. Eric Greiton is a former um, governor. He was chased out of office in scandal. 
Eric Greitens is a genuine sociopath. He tied a woman up in her ba- in his basement and sexually assaulted her. It's not in dispute. The only thing that's in dispute is whether she wanted him to sexually assault her or not after tying her up. She says she did not. He says they were having a fling. Uh, he was forced out of office in an impeachment scandal in uh, Missouri. And now he wants to run for governor. He's run a series of hyperbolic ads that have stoked um, just the passions of everybody. Uh, basically, he's saying he's going to gun down rhinos and reporters. Uh, there is a a never a, a, an always Greitens fringe in Missouri that wants him. All of the polling now suggests he's fallen into third or fourth place. Eric Schmidt is the incumbent attorney general in Missouri. Eric Schmidt is my candidate, my preferred candidate in Missouri. He's a wonderful attorney general. He's been very aggressive fighting the Department of Justice, fighting the Biden administration, fighting for conservatives. He went into court very aggressively defending Donald Trump's positions when Trump was president, and now he's fighting Biden's positions. He replaced Josh Hawley, who had been attorney general. Josh Hawley is the guy who investigated Eric Greitens. Holly's backing Vicki uh, Hartzler. Holly likes Hartzler. She's a congresswoman. Uh, I, I don't know her. I don't really know Schmidt very well, but I know Schmidt's record. What I know of Hartzler comes from staffers in Congress. And all of my friends who are congressional staff have said the exact same thing in separate conversations about Hartzler, that she does what's best for Vicki. She does not do what's best for Missouri or the country. And that told me everything I needed to know. In fact, as she has slipped in the polling and Donald Trump has come out and said, I'll never support her and you shouldn't either. She's refused to get out of the race. And if she got out of the race, that would improve Eric Schmidt's margins. The polling suggests that if you're not voting for Vicky, you'd vote for Schmidt and that would hurt Greitens. And you've got to stop Greitens if you want to hold that seat because he's a sociopath. And it looks like Schmidt's pulling out on his own, which is good. Uh, He's a good dude. Ohio is another Republican must-hold. Rob Portman, the incumbent senator, is out. J.D. Vance is the candidate. Uh, Here's what you need to know in this race. There is a signal-to-noise ratio in the media about J.D. Vance. Uh, Let me speak uh, into the camera and to everyone about this because you've got to understand this. I'm skeptical of J.D. Vance because he had been a Democrat, beloved by the media, and became a Republican after criticizing Trump. I criticized Trump, too. I don't begrudge him that, but I was never a Democrat. However, I'm also concerned that Peter Thiel is backing him. I have a lot of concerns about Peter Thiel. However, J.D. Vance has proven to be a good candidate. And I think he's tapped into a populist pulse in the nation that, while I don't agree with all of it, I agree with large parts of it, and he seems to have his finger on the pulse of it. I'm impressed with him as a candidate. Uh, I, I, I was not very vocal about Ohio. He wasn't my favorite in Ohio. Um, but I wasn't really vehemently opposed to him. I've got some friends who are vehemently opposed to him. They're free market, small con- small government conservative guys. They just don't like him. They think he'll be a big government populist. He's a Republican nominee, and he's a good candidate. Uh, he has run a good race. However, Here's what you must understand. The national media feels betrayed by J.D. Vance. If you want the one underlying narrative of this race, 
What you need to understand about the media coverage of the Ohio Senate race is that reporters and media organizations feel burned by J.D. Vance because they used to put him on a lot. This is very much like the Donald Trump uh, situation with the press. They used to put J.D. Vance on a lot. They built him up as a populist Democrat who wrote Hillbilly Elegy, now a very famous book, and then he betrayed them. Turned out... He was way more Republican and conservative and populist than he was progressive Democrat. And while he is pro-union and I am not, he is also not for massive woke government. And the media is. If you want to understand the coverage of what's happening in Ohio with J.D. Vance, you need to understand this dynamic. The media thought J.D. Vance was one of their own. They put him on national press. They made him a sensation after his book came out. They loved him. They advertised him as a populist Democrat who could make Ohio blue. And then surprise, he ran as a Republican. After criticizing Trump, began to embrace Trump, and he won the nomination, the media feels as betrayed by J.D. Vance as they did their star of The Apprentice who turned on them as well. That shapes all of the media coverage of Ohio. The media is fully committed to Tim Ryan, who has wooed reporters in Washington for years as a moderate would-be challenger to Nancy Pelosi, future Speaker of the House Democrat. J.D. Vance is going to win. Ohio is a Republican state. J.D. Vance will win, and the media will despise him even more for winning. I'm not worried about that race. Arizona is a race that troubles me. Uh, like J.D. Vance, Blake Masters is being funded by Peter Thiel. I am suspicious of and nervous about Peter Thiel's involvement in the Republican Party and the conservative movement. He's not one of us. Um, I, I read an interesting interview with him where he talks about his Christianity. Uh, he seems to view it as a philosophical movement, not as a gateway to eternity. And that always troubles me when billionaires embrace Christianity and talk about it as a philosophy as opposed to actually your relationship with the almighty. He's funding some of these candidates. That troubles me when a billionaire just like George Soros and now Peter Thiel are funding a bunch of candidates and he's funding them on a populist message. I'm not a big Blake Masters fan. Again, I think he'd be a fine nominee in the general election, but he has way more baggage than J.D. Vance. I think Mark Bronovich, the attorney general there, is the guy that Arizona should vote for. Doesn't look like he's going to pull it off, but he's won statewide. He's got a statewide operation, and he would be a great candidate to challenge Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly is the astronaut, Democrat, uh, who votes with Joe Biden, and that in and of itself may hurt him. But Arizona is going to be tough for the GOP to beat Mark Kelly because they're having a really, really nasty Republican primary fight. And the Arizona Republican Party itself just seems suicidal, frankly. Uh, you find the worst possible candidate for the race and the Arizona Republican Party seems to want to pick that candidate. That's a problem there. New Hampshire is undecided yet for the GOP. I actually think the GOP can pick that up. A lot of Republicans are like, oh, we, we need someone famous. We need a Sununu to beat Maggie Hassan, the, the incumbent Democrat. I don't think you do. I think you just need a, a normal, good Republican. If Donald Trump stays out of it and you don't pick some uh, hardcore Trumpist in, in New Hampshire, I think the GOP can win that win. Uh, Maggie Hassan is not an, uh, a likable candidate. She's not a very good candidate on the campaign trail. The GOP could pick that up. 
If the Republicans can hold Missouri, which they will as long as it's not Greitens, as long as they can hold Pennsylvania, which they probably can with Dr. Oz, as long as they can hold Pennsylvania or Wisconsin with Ron Johnson, all they need is one seat to take the Senate. They're probably going to pick up Nevada with Adam Laxalt. He's one of the strongest recruits we have this year. That means the GOP can lose Wisconsin or Pennsylvania and break even. They're probably going to win Georgia with Herschel Walker. Means the GOP takes back the Senate. And then thereafter, it's gravy. You pick up New Hampshire, you win a little more. You pick up Arizona, you win a little more. You pick up some of these other wild card seats, you win a little more. And the closer you get, the bigger your margin gets comes 2024 when the GOP could literally have a 60-seat majority in the Senate. The Democrats had such a good run of it four years ago in 2018. Those races come up in 2024. And so you'll have a lot of Democrats in a lot of seats that are predominantly Republican with Joe Biden or Kamala Harris as the Democratic standard bearer coming out of or still in a recession, which means the GOP could do really, really well in 2024, particularly if it runs the tables this time. Um, I don't know that they'll take back the Senate. I think the odds are in their favor. It'll be clarifying when some of these other primaries are over. But I think Herschel Walker, if he's three points behind in summer polling in Georgia, he's probably winning the race. And Adam Laxalt is going to win in Nevada more likely than not, barring some sort of unforeseen uh, situation. And as long as we can hold these other seats, the GOP takes the Senate. They're going to take the House. The Democrats know what's coming. And all they've got left is to scream about Republican extremists. If you want to help the Republicans take the House and the Senate, there's actually an easy thing you can do. You can become a customer of Patriot Mobile because they give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement to help advance the conservative cause. Uh, they can do it the way they're set up. They're established. Democrats have been doing this for a number of years with a left-wing cell phone company. Uh, they use the same cell towers that everybody else uses. They use the monopolistic uh, provider cell towers. Congress allows them, and you get to do business with a Christian conservative company and not with those other guys. They're Christian conservatives. They give a portion of their profits to the pro-life movement. You get guaranteed service on their platform, so you don't have to worry about moving your service to them. They can take your existing phone number or give you a new one. What you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call them 972-PATRIOT and tell them I sent you. You get free activation. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. It's 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425. If you want a real sense of the dynamic, for those of you in Georgia, you want a real sense of the dynamic um, down the ballot in Georgia with this Atlanta Journal-Constitution polling, uh, all of the Democrats get crushed. All of the Democrats get crushed. The Republicans are winning every race in the poll except the Senate race, and there it's only a three-point margin. Uh, the reason I still think Walker wins, another reason is the generic ballot has a R plus five bias. Uh, the Republicans are preferred by 5% more on the ballot. Joe Biden has an unpopularity rating of he's 36% approve of him in Georgia. That's terrible for him. Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger is crushing 
his Democratic opponent by 14 points. And look, there's a, ba- there's a ballot drop-off effect that's worse for Democrats than Republicans. As you get on the ballot, the further down you go, the less often Democrats vote. It's just a dynamic Democrats have to deal with. Democrats, they vote for, they'll vote for Senate, they'll vote for governor, maybe lieutenant governor, secretary of state. They start to fall off. The Republicans are going to win the attorney general's race in Georgia, the insurance commissioner's race, the ad commissioner's race, the labor commissioner's race. They're winning the lieutenant governor's race against the, 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 remember the Republican lieutenant governor's being investigated by a Democrat district attorney for the fake elector nonsense. Burt Jones did nothing wrong. He broke no law. Uh, She's actually been, the DA has been pulled off the case because she's holding a fundraiser for his Democratic opponent. Burt Jones is going to win that race. Brad Raffensperger is going to win his race. Brian Kemp is going to win his race. And when the Republicans are winning all of these races, I actually, I, I think Herschel Walker wins. When they win the, the, I can't see the Republicans winning all of these races. I mean, you have on the ballot in Georgia, for those of you outside the state, you've got governor, lieutenant governor, every statewide office, governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, insurance commissioner, labor commissioner, um, ag commissioner, uh, you got Public Service Commission, and you've got the U.S. Senate. There will be some people who will vote Warnock and then go Republican because they don't like Walker. But I don't think it's, I, I just, I don't think it's a massive thing. I think you're going to have most people go in, they just vote Republican all the way down. This is a backlash against Joe Biden and the Democrats. The fact that neither Stacey Abrams nor Raphael Warnock will mention or praise Joe Biden Tells you everything you need to know. 60% of voters in Georgia disapprove of Joe Biden and his performance. And that's a terrible number for the Democrats. Even if you give them 10 points, they're still under 50% in Georgia.